0: Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen.
1: Luke chapter 5. I'm talking to you today about reclaiming God's best. Reclaiming God's best. Jesus is speaking. He's telling the disciples what God the Father is like. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to him on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. He will answer from within and say, He didn't even get up to open the door. He'll answer from within and say, Don't trouble me. The door is shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give because he is your friend, yet because of his persistence, He will rise and give him as many as he needs. Some of you have been living far below God's best for you because you haven't pressed in. Because you've asked one and forgot about it. Because somehow you have the idea or the concept that persistence isn't required to receive from God. But Jesus is telling us that persistence opens the door. He goes on to say in this next passage of scripture. So I say to you, ask. And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks it will be open. If a son, and here's the application. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Did you hear that? Say it with me. How much more? Oh, come on. How much more? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I want you to hear it today. Persistence opened the door. We need to ask. We need to seek. We need to knock. And when we do, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I read that scripture because I want you to understand. Every good and perfect thing, the best of God, comes to you and I today through Holy Spirit. We need to understand that and grasp it and apply it in our lives. matter of fact, this Wednesday, we're starting a brand new teaching on the Holy Spirit. You need to be here, 7 o'clock. It's going to be powerful over the next eight weeks when we talk about Holy Spirit. And then you can turn to John chapter 10, verse 10. It'll be on the screen. This is what Jesus says. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come... That you might have life and that more abundantly. The word abundant means superior. It means overflowing in your life and in your heart. Life more abundantly. Too often we've taken these scriptures and applied them to physical blessings. Well, let me tell you, physical blessings are a part of God's best for your life. He wants you to be taken care of. He wants you to have a roof over your head and clothes on your back. He wants you to be able to get back and forth to work and have a good job. But there is so much more to God's best than what I see with my eye. It's what I experience with my spirit. It's not what I hear, it's what I say through the voice of God and the word of God flowing in and through my life that brings God's best into my life. Do you realize that everything in this fallen world is degenerating? It's being downgraded every moment. From the day you're born, you begin to die. Simply the way it works in this world, in this age and in this time. And if we're going to get to God's best, if you're going to get to God's best, if I'm going to get to God's best, we have got to learn to ask and to seek and to knock. We have got to learn to be persistent. We have got to learn to not give up and not give in until the fullness of the Holy Spirit is flowing through our life because through Him comes every blessing that God wants to bestow upon us. Problem is... We've set the bar so low. I've come to challenge you today to raise your sights. Understand God has so much more for you than what you're presently knowing and enjoying. We need to aim higher than we've ever aimed before. So many of us are like the old cowboy. He has four notches on his gun and one toe on his foot. Just that You need to explain that to your neighbor that just didn't get it. We just don't get it. I was harassing Yvonne this last week. I don't remember about what. She told me I need to put a disclaimer in front of every sermon, all right? So here's the disclaimer. This is me, not her, all right? I was giving her a hard time. I don't remember what it was about. She gave me one of those Yvonne looks. You know that look? It's somewhere between, I may just kill you dead right now. Why in the world did I ever marry you? And how did that come out of your mouth? You know that look? Guys, you know that look? Yeah, chick kids, you know that look? They give it to you all the time. I get it regularly. I got the look. And then I smiled and said, what are you going to do? Sell me to the gypsies? And she said, nah, I wouldn't get much for you. <laughs> we got to raise our sights. Raise our expectation. That's funny. I don't care who you are. That's just funny. Raise our ex, we love each other dearly and we have that kind of relationship where we can get after each other and needle each other and we love doing it. But if we're going to come into God's best, we have got to raise our sights and our expectations. I've come to tell you four things this morning as quickly as I can. Number one, we don't experience God's bless because we are willing to settle for less. We're willing to settle for less. So few in the kingdom are committed to God's best. We've been influenced by the world, by the culture, more than we're influenced by God's word. And as a result, we have dumbed down the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we're living far less than what God's best really is for our lives. And here's this truth. You need to remember it. As long as you can live with less than God's best, you will. As long as you can live with less than God's best, you will. I look around, I see it all the time. So do you. Probably the greatest place we see this is in interpersonal relationships. The man says, I just got to have a woman in my life. The woman says, I just got to have a man in my life. So on the way to the courthouse to marry this dude, she drives by his mama's house to pick him up because he's living in her basement. He doesn't have a job. He doesn't have a car. That's not God's best. On the way to marry this woman, he goes by to pick her and her five kids all from five different men to think that's going to bring happiness into his life. That's less than God's best. Love the way you're shouting now. It's time for God to touch our hearts and our lives and for you and I to recognize there is something better than what we have right now. But as long as we're willing to settle for less, we will never have God's best. That's true in your spiritual walk. Oh, listen to me, folks. Most of us have only dipped our toe in the waters of Holy Spirit. We haven't even begun to experience all that he is, all that he has, all that he wants to do in us and through us. We're satisfied with just enough Jesus to get me to heaven. It's not God's best. And as long as you're willing to settle for less, you will never see God's best. Most of us just see salvation as fire insurance, just a way out of hell. Oh, I got news for you today. God's best not only gets you to heaven, but it gives you power and victory and life and dynamic and love and joy and peace for this walk today. I may only have 70 years on this planet, but with God's best, it's going to seem like 7,000. Oh, come on, somebody. Hear what I'm saying. We're living far below the level of where God wants us to be because we're willing to settle. For less. We're willing to settle for less. I can give you some illustrations. Think about Job, or excuse me, Lot's wife. remember the story, right? Lot was Abraham's nephew. They left the Ur of the Chaldees together. And when they got to the promised land that God had given to them, the plains were well watered. They were beautiful and prosperous. And Abraham said to Lot, choose where you want to live, here in the mountains or down in the plains. He chose the plains. And in that place of ease, in that place of prosperity, in that place of plenty, he lost sight of God's will for his life. He moved into the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities that were rampant with sexual immorality. His life was absolutely unhinged from the things and the blessings of God and connected to the things and the blessings of the world. Now, here's a warning. Hear me. So many times we choose what's easy. We choose what's prosperous. We choose what's blessed rather than choosing God's best. And when we do that, we have settled for just enough Jesus to get us into heaven. Rather than pressing in and walking through the difficult times and walking through the hard times and walking through the dry places to see what God can do in our hearts and in our lives. Come on, quit settling, church. Quit being tempted and allured by that promise of peace and prosperity and plenty. And begin to press in. Because, oh, here's the truth. When you press in, God brings to your life peace and prosperity and plenty. Even in the desert, He brings it to you. It's time to press in. It's time to recognize as long as we're willing to settle for less, we'll never see God's best. You know the story... Abraham wanted to deliver Lot before God rained judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah. So he went to get him out. And he had one word of instruction. When we leave, don't look back. Don't look back. Don't look back. Oh, come on. I'm talking to someone today in this room online. You've been looking back way too long. Your feet are stuck like a pillar of salt. You can't move forward spiritually. You can't move forward financially. You can't move forward relationally because you're looking back. Oh, your promise is not behind you, your promise is before you. And it's time to stop looking back because every time we live in yesterday, we're stuck. We don't move forward. Oh, I'm thankful what God has done yesterday. Don't get me wrong. I give Him praise. I remember. I honor that. It builds my faith. But I'm not going to look back wishing I was still living there. Because God is long gone. Think you're stuck? Because you stayed where God is no longer. He moved on beyond you and past you. It's interesting to me that we look back. We, we remember our failures. We remember the things that weren't pleasing to us or to the Lord. And we think because of that we're disqualified. Do you remember Peter? Do you remember that in the night that Jesus was betrayed? He betrayed him three times. Peter betrayed him three times. And Jesus said three times before the rooster crows, you'll betray me. Can you imagine when that happened, the pain and the anguish that pierced Peter's heart? And then can you imagine what he dealt with for the next 40 or 50 days? Even though Jesus had been raised again from the dead, every time he heard a rooster crow, he remembered that event. Every morning when that rooster began to crow, he remembered his three denials. Denials. Every morning when the rooster began to crow, he remembered how he had failed his Lord and his Savior. Here's the point. You've got to get past that rooster crowing to get where God wants you to be. Now catch it with me. John 21. I don't have it in the PowerPoint, so don't look for it. John 21 The Bible says that Jesus made a fire of coals on the shore of the Sea of Galilee after Peter had said, I'm going fishing. He failed him. The rooster crowed three times. He heard it every morning. Reminding him of his failure. But when Jesus called Peter back to serve him again and make that commitment into his life and make that that conviction flow in them one more time, he did it. Read it, John chapter 21, in the early morning. So when he said to Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. What's he saying? He's saying, Peter, that place of your greatest failure now becomes the place of your greatest success. You don't have to look back. You don't have to stay there. When the rooster crows from this day forward, you're going to remember, I love you. I've empowered you and I'm sending you to do a great thing and a great work. Somebody needs to hear that because all you do is moan over yesterday. All you do is cry over that spilled milk. It's time to move forward and stop looking back. Second thing I want to share with you. You've got to get sick and tired of your current circumstance before you will ever pursue God's best. You got get sick and tired of where you're at and what you're dealing with and what you're going through before you will ever pursue God's best. There has to be a holy dissatisfaction in your heart and in your life. And it doesn't happen accidentally. And it doesn't happen automatically. And it doesn't happen because you're pretty or good looking or rich It happens because you make a change in your mindset and say, I will no longer live in mediocrity. I'm gonna press in to what God has for me. Scriptures will plead with these kinds of examples. I'm gonna share one with you from 2 Kings chapter 1. The city of Samaria was besieged by the Syrians. In other words, the army gathered around him. There was nothing coming in, coming out, people were starving to death inside. And the Bible tells me outside the gates of the city were four lepers. Four men who didn't fit in the city because of their physical condition. And suddenly one day they kind of had this epiphany moment. They said in 2 Kings chapter 7, they said, why are we just sitting here? If we sit here, we're going to die. If we're going to the city, we're going to die. If we go to the camp of the Syrians, we might die. But why don't we do something to alter our circumstances? Listen, it says, why are we sitting here until we die? That's my question for you this morning. Why are you sitting where you're at rather than pressing in until you die? Oh, come on, folks. This thing of following Jesus is more than about just getting enough to get there. It's about walking in power and love and joy and peace and the presence of the living God every moment of every single day. Stop settling for less than God's best. Get sick of where you're at and move on in Him. Verse 9 of 2 Kings 9 says Well, you read the whole story in between. You know what happened? They went to the camp of the Syrians, God had caused them to flee. They walked in, the army was gone, but all the spoil was still there. Everything was there. What the city lacked was found in those tents. There was gold and silver and food and clothing. Everything they needed was right there where the army had been. And then it says they they got some of it, they took it out, they buried it, they got some food, they ate their fill, put on new clothes. Then verse 9, listen to this. They said to one another, We're not doing right, this is the day of good news, and we're silent. If we wait until the morning light, some punishment may come upon us. Therefore, come, let us go, hear this word, and tell the king's household. Now, here's my application. You will never come to the place where God is using you to expand and build his kingdom until you get tired of where you're at. And you get tired of the circumstances that have you trapped and bound. And it's only when you recognize this is a day of good news. That God is going to move you from where you're at to where he wants you to be. Oh friend, it's time to stop complaining about your lack. Stop complaining about your want. Stop complaining about your messed up life. And move it in the presence of God. And watch what he does in just a moment. To turn your life around. But he'll never do it. He'll never do it. Because I prayed for you. He'll never do it because you came to this church or any other church. He will only do it when you get sick and tired of the circumstances you're living in. And when that event happens in your life, you will find power to see God do great and mighty things in and over your life. You don't need a word spoken over you this morning. You need to obey the word that's already been spoken over you this morning. Come on, church, it's time to dig down, dig dig deep and say, God, I'm sick and tired of where I'm at. I want your best in my life. I'm tired of mediocrity. I want more. I want more. I want more. Number three. We'll never see God's best as long as we have wrong thinking in our system. Stinking thinking. A few months ago, I got a text from my oldest daughter, Mindy. She said, Dad, I couldn't believe it. Our pastor was talking about stinking thinking. It took me back 10 years to when you always talked about stinking thinking. I'm here to tell you, stinking thinking will mess up your life and your relationship with God. It's time to understand God has to change your mind and change your attitude in order for him to work in our life. Stinking thinking limits what God can do in us. John chapter 11. Most of you know the story. It's the story of Jesus getting word that his friend Lazarus was sick, but he didn't go immediately to heal him. He waited four days later. He finally shows up in Bethany four days later. He finally shows up to see what's going on. And in verse 21 of John chapter 11, Martha, the sister of Lazarus makes the statement. Oh Lord, if only you'd have been here. My brother wouldn't have died. If only you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Now listen to me. She put God in a box that day. She said, I know you have power over sickness and you could have healed him, but you don't have any power over death. Stinking thinking. Folks, so many times we limit who God is and what God can do by our thinking, by our attitudes. We put him in a box that we have drawn around him. We try to limit him. Oh, listen, God isn't limited. He isn't going to stay in your box. You can think whatever you want to think. But I've come to tell you, my God heals. My God delivers. My God saves. My God provides. My God is powerful. My God is a force on the planet today. And my God is looking for people who will be a part of what he's doing. Who divorce themselves from the thoughts and the attitudes that put limits on God. Because we're really not limiting God. We're limiting what God can do in us. We have to understand that truth. We can't limit God. It's impossible. But we can limit what God can do in us. And when we limit what God can do in us by our thinking, by our attitude, we are settling for less than God's best. Less than what God wants to do in our hearts and our lives. Read it down, verse 32 of John chapter 11. The other sister Mary came to Jesus. Oh Lord, if only you would have been here. Our brother wouldn't have died. The same thinking had polluted her mind and polluted her spirit. Where she believed this God that they knew was God was limited in his abilities. And then Jesus took him out to the graveyard. And he said, I want somebody to roll the stone away. Look at verse 39. You know what Martha says? Oh, don't do that. He stinks. He's been dead four days. He smells. Don't do that. How many times have we came right to the place where God can do a mighty work? And then we say, oh, no, don't do that. Oh, no, don't do that. It might cause a stink in my life. It might cause a stir in my life. I've come to tell you this morning, until you divorce and murder that stinking thinking, you will never walk into the best God has for you. Stop limiting what God can do in your life by your attitudes and by your thinking. So what's limiting your faith? What's holding you back from receiving all God wants you to receive? What boxes have you drawn around God? Because until you destroy those, you'll never come to the place where you know God's best. You'll always be settling for less. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. the scripture says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. The NIV says to give you hope and a future, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. When God spoke those words through Jeremiah, Israel was in captivity. Things were bad. It was bleak. It was horrible. And thoughts of peace and prosperity was the furthest thing from their minds. But God said through Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. Let me stop here and tell you, before you were born, while you were yet in your mother's womb, God formed a plan for your life. He has a purpose for you. He has a path for you. And it's up for you today to step out of that box and let him reveal it to you. His plans are peace and prosperity, hope and a future when you move into his best doesn't matter what the circumstance looked like. matters what God says. Verses 12 and 13 of Jeremiah chapter 29 said, You'll call on me. You'll pray to me. I will hear you. You seek me and find me when you search for me with your whole heart. You see, we get beyond that place of stinking thinking. When we plug in and we pursue him with our whole heart. When no longer is our relationship with Jesus limited to Sunday morning or Wednesday night or five-minute devotional of a morning. But our relationship with Jesus comes alive when 24-7 we pursue Him. He's our passion. He's our quest. We want all that He has for us. We will not settle for anything less than best. we got to push in. And number four, we don't receive His best. When we are bound in the past. When we are bound in the past. Well, this isn't the way my grandma worshipped Jesus. This isn't the way it was when I was growing up. Let me say it this way. Yesterday's anointing will not carry you through today. Yesterday's anointing will not carry you through today. You need a fresh anointing every single day in order to do what God is going to do. Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. It's the story of Joshua leading the Israelites across the Jordan and into the promised land. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness because of their disobedience. And God told Joshua, when the priests step in the water, I'm going to roll the floodwaters of the Jordan back and they're going to walk across on dry ground. And before the priests come out of the water, they're to pick up 12 huge stones from the bottom of that river, carry them to the other side, which is Gilgal, where you're going to make camp, and build a memorial. Set them up. So in the days ahead, when your children say, what do those stones mean? What's the purpose of that memorial? You can say, this is what God did for us. And then the scripture says God told him to build a second memorial. Only not on dry land, but to build it in the middle of the river at flood stage. To build those stones up. One of them, listen to me. The one that built at Gilgal, that pointed to what God had done. But the one they built in the river, that pointed to what God was going to do. Folks, you've got to come where you're not standing looking at the memorials of the past, but you're in the river, and the water of God's flowing over you, and the Holy Ghost is flowing through you, and you're saying, God, do it again in me, a new work, a fresh work, a new anointing. Pour your Holy Spirit out upon me. I want the river of living water flowing from me. That's what that scripture teaches us. There is a place... Where we can honor our past, but move into the present and hope for the future through the power of the Spirit of God. It reminds us that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Exodus chapter 33, beginning in verse 18. God said, or Moses says to God, this is after he got the tablets of stone with the Ten Commandments, came down the mountain and the children of Israel were worshiping a golden calf. The next chapter, he says, God, show me your glory. God, show me who you are. Show me your glory. Visit me in a powerful way. And when you read those scriptures, Exodus thirty-three eighteen, he said, please show me your glory. Verse 19, then he says, speaking of God. I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Now I want you to catch this. And when you read that scripture, God said, no man can see my face. So I'm going to put you in this hole in the rock. I'm going to cover you with my hand and you will see me as I pass by. You catch that? I will, you will see me as I pass by. In other words, you're not going to see my face. You're not going to see where I'm going, but rather you're going to see my backside and you're going to see my goodness and you're going to see where I've been and what I've done for you and the knowledge of my goodness will propel you to continue the mission I've set you on. You see, you're going to see my backside. You're going to see what's happening behind where I've been and where I'm taking you. We think of that and we think, well, the backside, the back of the line, that's for losers, No, my friend, that's not true. When we see where God has been, we develop faith for where God is taking us. When we see what God has already done, when we see his goodness, because that's what he said, I'm going to show you my backside and you'll see my goodness. When we see the goodness of God, it gives us faith to move forward. Well, what is the goodness of God? Best defined from the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah, chapter 9, verses 25 and 35. In his goodness, excuse me. The Bible says they captured fortified cities and a fertile land. This is speaking to the Israelites coming back from Babylon. They took possession of houses full of every good thing. Hewn cisterns, vineyards, olive groves, fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and grew fat and reveled in his goodness. God's goodness. Brings everything you need into your life. God's goodness makes you overflow with his abundance and his provision, his grace and his mercy. He fills you with this compassion when we follow his goodness. The good things that we need come from following God, come from seeing the backside of God and knowing I'm going to go where he's going. Listen, you'll never receive God's best until you decide I'm going to follow him wholeheartedly. Until you sell out and give in to all that God has for you, you will never see his best in and over your life. We have to come to the place, church, where we won't settle for anything less than God's best. And that's the attitude that's missing in so many lives. Tom, come back, please. The bar of expectation has been so lowered in many individuals. We really don't believe in deliverance. You're an alcoholic, I'm sorry, go to AA. You're a drug addict, I'm sorry, go to NA. You're divorced, I'm sorry, we don't have time for you. You're bound by this, that, or the other, we don't have an answer. We have so lowered the expectations that we fail to allow people to see the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And as a result, people then live in doubt and disbelief and discouragement. Oh, it's time to raise the bar. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to say, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did for one, he'll do for another. If he can save that guy, he can save this guy. If he can forgive her, he can forgive me. If he can deliver that drug addict for 20 years, he can set anybody free. If he can break the curse of the bottle over that guy's life, he can do it for anybody. Oh, somebody hear me today. It's time to raise the bar. Raise the bar of our expectations. One of these days, we're going to stand before God. And when we do, I believe the light's going to come on. Suddenly, we're going to realize... Well, I made it, but I spent my whole life living far below God's best. I got here, but I didn't influence anyone for Jesus. Somehow I made it by his grace, but I didn't do a single thing to expand his kingdom. I'm here to tell you this morning. We don't have to limp into heaven crying, praise God, we made it. When we seek God's best, there is a life of victory, a life of hope, a life of provision, a life of peace, a life of prosperity that God will lead us into. But you've got to be willing to stand and you've got to be willing to fight. Because the old enemy, slew with horns on the head, wants nothing more than to convince you, you can never get there. Well, I've come to tell you he's a liar. He's a liar and the father of all lies. Because the word says there is a place of God's best. And when you pursue him, when you push everything aside, when you don't give up and you don't give in, when you fight the good fight of faith, you will see it. You'll live in it. Be powerful and effective in your life. I said it earlier. Let me say it again. If you don't stir yourself up, It's not going to happen. If you don't stir yourself up, you're just going to settle to the bottom. And that's not where God wants you to be. Organized religion is one of the strongest weapons Satan has to discourage people from believing more. Because organized religion tells you, oh, that God that did the miracles, he doesn't do that anymore. That God that parted seas, he doesn't do that anymore. That God that brought manna from heaven and quail from from the bush, He doesn't do that anymore. I've come to tell you, that's a lie from the pit. The God I serve, through His Holy Spirit, does the exact same things today that He did and recorded in the Word of God. If you have the faith, and if you have the perseverance, and if you have the want to, you can move into God's best. But it's up to you. You gonna stay in the stinking thinking? We're going to move through into what God wants to do. We have to recognize, listen to me, I'm wrapping it up. We have to recognize it's not about getting God to do something that He hasn't done, it's about stepping in to what He's already done. If you're in this room this morning and you're sick in your body, you don't have to plead for God to heal you because by His stripes you were healed. If you're in this room this morning you have financial needs, you don't have to beg God to give you a dollar. You simply have to believe that your Father is able to provide for you in an amazing, abundant, and wonderful way. If you're in this room this morning you're sick of church, it's time to kill the stinking thinking and move in to where the God, the Holy Ghost, can touch your heart and life. Stand with me across this room. Tom's going to sing the chorus of that song. Do it again. One more time. Right now, before he does, quick question. Are you in this room today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you were to die tonight, you would split hell wide open. Because the only way to avoid hell is Jesus Christ, knowing him as your Lord and Savior. If that's you, right where you stand, just slip up your hand and say, pray for me, preacher. Pray for me. I'm waiting just a minute. Pray for me. Pray for me. All right, as Tom begins to sing this, if you're tired of settling for less than God's best, if you're tired of living in mediocrity, if you're tired of living below the promise and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God, I want you to come out. I want you to come with your arms raised. I want you to fill your mouth with adoration and praise. And I want you to say, God, do it again. God, do it again. What you did for one, you'll do for me. He'll set you free. He'll break the yoke of bondage. He will come into your heart. He'll fill you with the Holy Spirit. Oh, come on. Sing it out, Tom. Respond to the calling of God right now in the presence of the living God right now. Respond to Him.
0: You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sherer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.